the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are bringing you a kind of three random things. I can't remember if it was you who put this list together of what we're doing today or if it was me. Um, I just kind of, we kind of just threw them all together and then I kind of realized afterwards while I was doing the prep that, oh, this is almost like a John Lovitz animated voice episode. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's what we got here. So we are going to be doing a breakdown of the 1987 film The Brave Little Toaster. We are going to review the mid-90s show The Critic, and then, because neither of those really need to be made into a live action, or they would just be voice stuff anyway, or yeah. uh, if, you, if you want to do a live action The Critic, uh, it just... I don't know. That'd be weird. Yeah. Anyway, we're doing we're doing a whatever the heck we want to do casting. And today we are pulling back into the well, maybe not pulling back. We're pulling forward into <laughs> the Marvel repertoire, and we are going to be casting some of the bigger Marvel twenty ninety nine characters. Now, honestly, it's kind of feeling that twenty ninety nine ain't that far off, <laughs> you know, and how it's like a big old futuristicy thing back in the day, um, you know, was kind of like the whole mentality behind it. Now it's just like, yeah, I think it's probably the world's probably going to be not all that much different. But you know what? It, we'll see. Well, maybe we'll see. We'll probably both be dead by then. <laughs> uh, yes. In twenty ninety nine, I would be one hundred and nineteen. Yeah. So, so, I mean, but it's possible. You never know. Medical science might... Uh, that's true. Well, see, with the way techno- how fast technology moves, it could end up like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Because when you think of between 1900 to 2000, how things were different, if we have that much of a leap um, in technology from 2000 to, you know, basically 2100 or 2099, it could be, it could be pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. You, you never know. You never know. All right. So, um, The Brave Little Toaster, this film, um, this came out in 1987. How about you bring us back, bring our memories back by kind of telling us some other things that happened back in 1987. All right. So, the movie was released July 10th of 1987. Topping the Billboard Hot 100 charts of that week was the song Alone by Heart. Well, yeah, I've definitely heard that song. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a good song. Yeah. Uh, top in the Nielsen ratings uh, was the show that uh, made Michael J. Fox a household name, Family Ties. Okay. It, I don't know if I'm the only one, but like half the time, when it, if you had to give me like a trivia of, oh, what does Michael, uh, what, did, what did Michael J. Fox play? And I would almost 50% of the time say like Facts of Life. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> like whatever it is, like those shows from like the mid early 80s the facts of life the family ties the growing pains those three those three i always kind of mix up in my head exactly okay i'm glad i'm not the only one yeah (laughs) 
Uh, if you were a big reader back then, uh, topping the New York Times bestseller was a classic book that was made into a classic movie, Misery by Stephen King. Okay, yeah, that's a damn good movie. Which is interesting because that ties into The Critic a yes, little bit. <laughs> it does. There is a great parody episode of that in uh, The Critic. Very cool. And if you were a PC gamer back then, you would have just purchased the latest game called Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards. Oh, God, that is like a, um infamous game, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> isn't that like a, like a, a very sexual, like, isn't it a pretty fucked up game? I don't know for sure. I definitely, when I looked it up, I was like, oh, I've definitely heard of that. I just couldn't remember why I'd heard of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's definitely some, um, I don't know, it's a, more of an adult game. Yeah. I do. I remember seeing like uh, some of this stuff. I mean, I never played it back in the day, but... Yeah, it's um, it's got some uh, interesting stuff. I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I don't know about Leisure Suit Larry, but hey, cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad it came out. All right, and that was 1987. All right, well, that's pretty wham bam for 1987, and wham bam for our intro. Um, so I'm ready to just get on out there and go on an adventure with this brave little toaster. All right, Brave Little Toaster, 1987. This film was directed by Jerry Reese. Uh, this was really the only thing that I recognized that he had directed. He did do some work on other films that I recognize, like Tron mm-hmm. um, and some other stuff. So, you know, he's, he's a good animator and things like that. Um, this movie is based on a novella by Thomas M. Dish uh, that was first published in 1980, um, which I didn't know. I didn't ever read this one. Did, was this a book or anything that you read as a kid? No, not at all. No. Okay, yeah, I had no idea. I only really knew the movie. Um, and in part, this was written by Joe Ramft, who you might know him. He did pass away back in 2005, but he did work uh, on early Pixar stuff. Um, he, wor- he worked on Cars, Monsters, Inc., A Bug's Life, Toy Story. He wrote those. I think he pr- produced those. Um, actually, um, many of the Cal Arts graduates worked on this film, Brave Little Toaster, including the original members of the Pixar Animation Studios were involved with this film. So, Yeah, John Lasseter apparently was originally slated to direct and then mm. ended up passing for some reason. Gotcha. That would have made total sense with the ties to Pixar on this one. Yeah. Um, music from this film is done by David Newman. We've talked about him. Actually, I think our last movie episode, he did the music for Serenity. Uh, we've talked about him multiple times because he did the music for Sandlot, Mighty Ducks, Tommy Boy, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and Bogus Journey. Um, so he's uh, quite the prolific uh, composer from our younger days. And this film stars John Lovitz as Radio. Um, he was from SNL, High School High, and we'll talk about him again later in The Critic. Um, Lampy slash the character of Zeke was named by or was voiced by Timothy Stack. Um, I remember him best from a very short lived show. I think it was on FX or whatever FX was named at the time. Maybe Spike TV. I can't remember. Um, but it was that show called Son of the Beach. Did you know that one at all? Oh, yeah. I never watched it, but I definitely remember it coming out. Yeah, it was kind of like a parody of um, Baywatch kind of thing. Yeah. And he he was kind of like the, the leader of that group. The Toaster. Uh, our title character of the toaster was voiced by Deanna Oliver. Uh, she d- voiced the toaster in the other two straight-to-video sequels that mm-hmm. I never watched. Yeah. Maybe Corey and I will get to them. I'm sure, <laughs> that, I'm sure they're not going to be good because they're straight-to-video. Right. Um, she was a writer on Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, and she also wrote the uh, 90s film Casper. 
It's cool. Oh, uh, Deanna Oliver had a uh, a son who w- eventually went into the military, mm-hmm. and uh, I, don't, I think it was like 2010 or so when he in, they have like a little send off sometimes, you know, if they're going off. And he was apparently he was going to Afghanistan, I think. Okay. And uh, his entire uh, platoon brought toasters for her to sign. <laughs> that's cute. Wow, that's really cute. <laughs> Kirby slash the vacuum uh, was voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft. We've heard it. We talked about him before on our Christmas episode a while back. Um, he did the singing voice for Mr. For the Grinch, for the narrator, the you're a mean one, mm-hmm. Mr. Grinch. Yeah. Also did the voice of Tony the Tiger um, for a long time and also many other kind of like deep voice characters. Uh, the air conditioner, who doesn't really have much of a speaking part, not on there all that long, uh, but that was voiced by Phil Hartman. Yeah. Um, also as well as the creepy lamp that comes down later in the, yeah. uh, thing that was also voiced by kind of Phil the Hartman, who Peter Laurie mm-hmm. inspired thing. Yeah. It's, it's definitely creepy looking thing, but, um, you know, Phil Hartman love him to death. Uh, you know, I think if you go back into our SNL, favorite cast members he made both of our lists so oh, yeah. he's he's a he's a favorite oh, yeah. um and then uh, just one other kind of quick little shout out the voice of the mother uh was voiced by mindy sterling who a lot of people might recognize her as frau farbissina in the austin powers soundtrack oh, yeah. or uh, austin powers series yeah God, i loved her in that i loved her character i the the austin powers movies i'm sure aren't ones that have aged well when it comes to i mean they're very set for their time yeah but at the same point, I remember I remember loving the first one to yeah. all end. Yeah. Um, the second one was good, and then the third one was just not good, in my <laughs> opinion. What, what I remember. But, like, I want to go back and rewatch them, particularly, like, that first one. Yeah. Like, I want to go and just be like, I know it's, like, you know, very late 90s uh, humor filling in with, like, you know, old 70s humor dropped in and right. stuff like that. But, like... I just, I bet, you know, just because of my nostalgic brain, like I love, I don't care if it's still <laughs> super 90s and it doesn't, you know, grow all that great. I bet I'm still, I would still love Austin Power. So yeah, I'll have to, we'll have to watch it, maybe get it on the list uh, down the line. Yep. So before we dive into the actual breakdown of the film, what do you remember from The Brave Little Toaster? Do you remember watching this one when we were younger? You know what? I have very little memory of it. Um, I knew looking at, you know, stills. That I was like, okay, I have a I have a, a memory of seeing this. I just have no remembrance of what actually happens in the movie. It was just sort of like flashes of okay, I kind of remember that character. I kind of remember. I know at some point I watched it, mm-hmm. but I have no I had no real deep memory of exactly what happened in the movie. Okay, I mean I have a fond memory of the film. It wasn't definitely one of my favorites as a kid, but I mean mm-hmm. I remembered quite a bit from the movie. Um, and I, I can't remember honestly where I saw it first. Uh, for, for some reason, I feel like I have a flash of it being on at our daycare. Yeah. So maybe I saw it there. And it might have been, you know, with just like the younger group as opposed to you or some of some with the older stuff. So uh, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but I always do remember like, you know, I mean, it's been, I don't know, God knows how long since I've seen the film. This is probably the last time I've seen this. Is, before watching it for this, the last time I saw it was probably when I was just a kid. Yeah, same. Yeah, so I've gone 20, maybe, you know, 25 years without seeing this one. So right. um, there are, yeah, there's there's hints of stuff in there. But, and, and I always kind of just had like a fond remembrance, remembrance of this one and just kind of be like, oh, yeah, that was a movie I liked when I was a kid, but not remembering too much about it. So, yeah. all right. So let's, uh, let's start our scene by scene breakdown. And we open up on this rural hillside house. We see uh, a radio goes off. It's John Lovitz's radio voice. 
does a great job with that. Um, we kind of see in this world that appliances are sentient. I mean, it's very Toy Story-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Just having like those um, comparisons, knowing that how many Pixar people worked on this one and wrote it. It's like, okay, this is not a far cry going from this to Toy Story. I mean, you're basically just shifting the mentality of, okay, oh, all these kid or all these appliances are like excited about being played with by this kid mm-hmm. or by the by the humans and when the humans come in, they turn, you know, to to regular appliances. They don't have, you know, any expressions or whatever. Um, I mean, it is almost the exact same kind of uh, storyline here. It's funny when uh, I watched this with my kids and uh, at the end of it, my daughter was like, that's just like Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It is. So um, the writers probably just tweaked a little bit going into it, which is funny knowing that this came out seven, seven years before Toy Story, seven, eight years before Toy Story, something like yeah. that. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, I do want to call out immediately when I was a kid, I didn't realize that Blanket was an electric blanket. Yeah. I know. Now I knew in this world. So we were meeting. Sorry. Like, we're meeting all these other appliances right now. We're kind of like, you know, going through the 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 cabin or whatnot and just kind of meeting the different appliances and whatnot. And so you have the blanket and I had no idea what the hell this little face was when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Like no idea. It's like, what the hell is that thing? Is it like a tag? Is it like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. And then probably, you know, without even watching the movie, I might've like seen an image of it or something on just online or what, I don't know what it was. And then eventually it clicked like, Oh, it's an electric blanket. That's why it can talk and speak because it's all they're all appliances in this world. And that's the little dial and shit. Oh, my God. Because it doesn't like who the fuck think when I think of a blanket, I don't first think of an electric blanket. Yeah. So, you know, come to think of it, I think my kids asked me that, too. They're like, why is yeah. the blanket talking? Yeah. Because like, it's an electric so, blanket. And I, my daughter was like, what is an electric blanket? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't really have those. Anymore. We have like. I don't know. I, I think I have like a heating pad in my house, yeah, that's but I don't have electric blankets aren't really a big thing anymore. No. So they're all trying to figure out what to do right now. I guess it's just like every day for them. Uh, they don't really want to clean the house or whatnot, uh, which I want to know how the house gets so dirty. Um, there's no there haven't been humans there for a while, it seems. Uh, so it's not like they're going to be collecting too much dust and it, like, mm. it's all grimy. I, I, I mean, I think dust settles, so yeah. I, I think if you leave it alone, I think you'd get quite a bit of dust. Okay, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> but it sounds like they clean up every day. So, oh, that's true. That's, that's true. So that's what they So they, they, they clean up every single day. And so it's like, does it get that dirty every night with no one there? <laughs> I eh. Anyway, they're going to clean. For motivation, ra- uh, the radio plays Tutti Frutti. Um, and so they all kind of do a little montage music going on while they clean. At one point, Blanket hears a car and they're all getting super excited. They kind of, you know, get him up to the attic and he looks out. They're all excited. They think it's Master coming back to see them. At this point, you know, while they're like hunting for, while they're like excitedly waiting for this car and like, you know, we're just kind of just hearing about this master and whatnot. I get some realizations that I'm not sure I really realized earlier when I was a kid, but it's telling, okay, this is obviously some kind of vacation home or these people moved away or something like that. Right. Um, and these appliances are lonely. They miss their master. They miss being played with mm-hmm. or, you know, they say played with, but it's really just being, I guess, used. Yeah. We also see a, very, a fantasy kind of memory 
from uh, of, of the kid coming back at one point and like playing with Blanky and seeing Blanky. Um, that that blanket is it too early to tell to to say that I thought he was annoying as fuck. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're all they're all fine, but this one blanket is so fixated on you know snuggling with uh, with the master and being it's basically being a child. I guess it's just stuck as a child. Yeah, unfortunately, I was, I was wondering like, do they age? Yeah, like do they get older? And if so, if Blanky's been there for such a long time, why is he still a kid? And so that's, that's part of it. Yeah, exactly. or or is the maturity or the age of the appliance have to do with? Who would use it? Yeah, maybe. So since Blanky was obviously for a child, would, would he is he more like a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe because the like, the air conditioner, the vacuum are all definitely older. Right. Um, the toaster's kind of in between. Well, you like know. Th- I mean, think of things that like things that both a kids and adult could use are kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a ki- I mean, because my kids can use the toaster just fine, and you know they can use a lamp and stuff like that, and those and the radio, and those things were kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then you know the the big vacuum and the air conditioning unit, those were older, and those were more likely to be used by adults than kids. So yeah, I mean, or does like does the age do with the the wattage used? Because kind <laughs> of like the the lower watt stuff were all kind of a little bit younger, but then you get like the more powerful things like the vacuum and the air conditioning def- definitely older. So maybe that's maybe maybe how much your your power is needed ties into your age in uh, the uh, world. Well, the theory could be proven if we could tell what the big magnet at the end was because that it didn't was a, really talk that yeah that one didn't talk but that was that would have used the most amount of electricity the yeah, electromagnet so <laughs> true if we can find true. out then then we can prove your theory okay uh all right so after they realize that this car isn't uh master they all get upset upset and they fight over this little picture which the the picture frame breaks or whatnot you know blanky's upset about it uh here we meet the air conditioner who is kind of an asshole <laughs> he's not kind of he is an asshole yeah he is an asshole I mean, but he's also a realist you know he's really just kind of like calling them out for just being uh, dreamers to an extent you know right but he's also a little bit paranoid so it's back to that stupid static again you think i don't know what's going on in here i know what goes on in this cottage it's a conspiracy and every one of you low watts is in on it. Just because you can move around, you think you're better than I am. Um, you know, we kind of see that he's he's upset that he's stuck in the wall and he didn't get to get played with by the kid um, or stuff like that. And it, it all kind of builds up to this point where the air conditioner gets overcharged or something. It flips out and it blows up. He's going to So it's just kind of kind of fucked up, honestly, that whole scene. It got a little weird right there. <laughs> uh, they hear another car. This time someone gets out and they're all like, oh, shit. They go back to appliances instantly. You know, that same exact kind of thing that we've seen, at least from Toy Story later of, you know, oh, Andy's Andy's coming or whatever. And they all kind of just immediately plop down um, that kind of thing. They hear tapping and then they go check out the, the outside the window. They see a for sale sign for the uh, the camp or for the cabin. So now they can tell their master's not coming back, basically. Yeah. The toaster decides that they're going to go out and they're going to go find the master. He is being a brave little toaster, I guess, right now. The, the name of the movie, honestly, the toaster, 
I, I guess I could. I was going to say this for the end, but just I don't know. It's coming to my head, so I'm going to talk about it now. Okay. I never really felt that the toaster was much of a leader in this group. I mean, kind of, but I don't know. This was this was more of an ensemble and not like just the toaster is super brave and all this kind of stuff. Now, granted, the toaster does save the day at the end of the movie. Yeah. And, and I guess the, here sets him off on this journey of like, hey, let's go do this. But it, it didn't feel like this was a super toaster centric movie. It was just kind of like, okay, the toaster is driving a little bit, but not right. not the main plot point. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I felt that, you know, Blanky's love of the master was probably more of a driving force for a lot of stuff. That's fair. Although, I, I, the brave little blanket, I mean, I guess you could no. sell that. But <laughs> I'm just to- saying you could have done a toaster different... Toaster sounds better, I think, but... Yeah, toaster's a brave little no, toaster. No, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, but, the, I mean, the toaster is the one who kind of instigates everything as far as fair enough. getting them along and all that stuff, so... Yeah, yeah, it is kind of an ensemble, but I do still, I still see the toaster as the central, central character. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, so, so the toaster decides that you know they're going to go find him. Um, they all band together, and Kirby the vacuum, you know, he's kind of like the, I don't know, the grumpy old guy, like the last curmudgeon-y kind of dude. But he also enjoys the other appliances, and so he does join them. Um, and a little, he's a little hesitant to do some stuff that they do, mm-hmm. but. They all decide to go out, so they do that. Um, they're trying to figure out how they're going to travel, and we get some little, like, eh, little montage of quick ideas that don't work, things that the lamp is trying to figure out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, eventually, they do find an office chair and a car battery to charge Kirby mm-hmm. while uh, he's pushing them and pulling them or whatever. I just don't get why they need the car battery, because all of the other ones can move fine without <laughs> being on charge. And I think I've even seen the lamp turn on his lamp without being on charge in the movie but for some reason the vacuum needs to be plugged in to pull them and i even saw the vacuum at one point after he's unplugged still moves so it's like he can still move without it i mean maybe maybe it's just a power thing and he has to have the strength of the power to of of being in battery or on in plug to actually pull them like where did that bother you at all john you're just sitting and laughing at me i can just (laughs) because every time there's some little tiny continuity thing that bucks the shit out of you. And but, like, and it's don't you want your movies to make sense? Don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. But yeah, but you at some point you have you. I mean, it's about it's a movie about fucking talking appliances. Yes, we already but, have to suspend disbelief anyway. But this entire plot point of finding a battery <laughs> thing is basically moot because you see this fucker flying around, moving on his own. He jumps off a cliff without being plugged into the battery he he goes off on moves on other things without being plugged into the battery what the fuck is the point of being this this entire scene <laughs> is worthless and and that's why a continuity matters john i'll just say my kids didn't question that uh kids are idiots <laughs> you can tell that to my daughter's face yeah she'd probably beat me up <laughs> she's a tough little seven-year-old yep all right uh, I'll try to not complain about that every time, but it did—it legitimately did bother me, um, just from being like at points I saw that the vacuum was moving without being on. Whatever, I, I already explained it. Let's, yeah, let's no, on. I mean I understand, and I, I did notice that, but yeah, I don't let that kind of thing bother me as much apparently as you do. All right, and uh, anyway, they get started off and they head out, and the first thing I thought to myself was, how did they handle the stairs on the porch? You see the porch, and they're just kind of already past it. How did, did they just fall down and, and just kind of <laughs> land perfectly? <laughs> Whatever. 
I just, but like literally, like you see these these steps that like behind him as they're kind of going on the field in front, and it's just like, wait a minute, how the hell do you handle those? That chair definitely just must have fallen over, but what, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> they start off. They start off on their journey, and we get a song sung by Toaster and the other appliances, all about the city of light. Time fly by in the city of light. Time stands still in the country. There's no time for a fuss and a fight as we travel the land. And I'd be satisfied just to be, not denied, to reside with some pride. But a ride to the city, the city of life. Uh, this song is nothing special. No. Honestly, and I kind of blanket will say for the rest of the songs as well, none of these songs are special. I didn't really love them. And this one in particular, it's just like, this is like you're you're starting your journey out song. And like, for me, it, it just, it wasn't as poppy as like a Disney song would be. Right. So it just kind of, it, it was lacking. Like, you know, and the reason Disney does like these poppy fucking songs is that they're fun, they're enjoyable, they get kids into it. And this one, I'm just like. Eh, even as an adult, I'm like, this is nothing special. This isn't yeah. um, gripping me to to really care about them right now. Honestly, I completely forgot there were songs in the movie. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, n- none of them are really needed. Agreed. I, I, they're on. They might have just been added just to be like, well, this is a fucking kids movie. We should get some kind of songs in there. But in general, like, yeah, they're not. None of them are standouts. There's not a standout song amongst them so they're having issues as they're out on their journey they don't know where they are i wrote another note about the vacuum power <laughs> thing <laughs> so well well my issue was i wrote about how come the vacuum needs the power to move and others don't like you just see other them just hopping around just fine and granted even the vacuum doesn't need it but right. all right fuck it the blanket is trying to like you know it's a sad blanket blanket is a pathetic little <laughs> creature because uh, he you know he's just like trying to snow he is he's just a child well, i'm not saying children are pathetic uh, it's not the the case at all i want a child i badly want a child but it's just like you know he's trying to snuggle and sleep with other ones they're all kind of pushing him away um and uh, he kind of has to sleep alone so sad you, you feel sad for the blanket yeah in the morning uh they're cutting their way through some like dried bush area they hear some nature sounds and then they get to this little kind of like pond and clearing and we get some kind of musical things going on with nature there There's a whole big thing while these, uh, you know, multiple animals are trying to eat a worm. Uh, luckily, I think the worm escapes escapes at the end, so you don't get that. And the animals are having fun in, you know, kind of seeing their reflection in Toaster. It's just kind of funny them just kind of wreaking havoc against Toaster and shit like that. So he has to escape at one point, and he finds this beautiful flower. And even flowers are sentient in this world, apparently. The flower sees its reflection in him and gets all excited that there's another flower. And Toaster's like, no, no, it's just a reflection. And he runs away, and he kind of turns back and kind of peeks through some bushes and sees it, looks at it again. And the fucking flower's, like, wilting to death. It's like he ruined that flower's life. Yeah. My God. Like, that that was a weird moment that just... I, I'm not sure what it was kind of meant to tell us or what, what was going on with it, but you know, that, that flower just wanted to be loved or something. And now it's just dying off. It, it was a, just a departure from the journey that I, I didn't get. Um, but I guess, I, I guess a somewhat poignant moment. I don't know. Yeah. That actually, a lot of that whole scene really made no sense to me. Like why, why we weren't in there. Well, okay. 
I'm now now I'm trying to rationalize that. I've made a decision in my head. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe that is the turning point because later on we see that Lampy asks Toaster why he's being so much nicer to Blanket. Blanket. Maybe when he saw that flower who just wanted to snuggle, be with someone who it thought was, you know, its reflection and Toaster seeing it, you know, wilting to death basically because of loneliness. Maybe that was the switch in him of being like, okay, I maybe I understand Blanket a little bit more now. And so I'm going to be nicer to him. Okay. That that's maybe that's may that might be it. Okay, I can go with that. Um, yeah, but this, uh, all right. this brings to mind something else, and I don't remember if they did this at all in the movie. But you keep referring to the toaster as a he. I never got the sense that it was a he. I always got the sense it, that it was a she. And it is a female voice doing and it. She, and she's not. It doesn't seem like she's trying to make her voice sound like a kid's voice. It just sounds like a female's voice. So I mean, I just and because I heard it, I just instinctively thought of the toaster as a she, not a he. Okay. Um, take a poll out there. What do you all think? Uh, do you think the toaster is a he, a she, or it doesn't matter? It's a fucking toaster. <laughs> Could be. I don't know why I, I assigned a, a gender to the toaster as a male um, versus a female or whatever. I mean, before watching the movie again, I just assumed it was going to be a he. And then when you hear the voice, and I mean, I even saw on the list, there's like, okay, it's a woman mm-hmm. voicing it. That's not that uncommon. It happens a lot. And then I heard it. I'm like, oh, no, it's definitely a she. Yeah, there's a female voice. I mean, I just kind of assumed that that was a female doing a kids-ish voice for it. Okay. But, and maybe it's just me assigning, you know, a male to the lead role because I'm a sexist asshole. That could be it. Well, I mean, the the writers could have been sexist assholes too and done the same thing. But I mean, or maybe it's just meant to be ambiguous and you just decide however you want. Totally could be, and to relate to, because I'm a boy, and I watched it as a boy, and so I always, I always kind of want you. You kind of usually see yourself in the in the lead character, so maybe right. I kind of like associated myself with it. Um, but maybe little girls associate themselves with the toaster as well. No, that's fair. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, all right. So they eventually leave the pond or kind of go back on their journey. Um, they head towards this deep dark forest, which the battery on their car battery is getting low, so they decide to give it a rest. Uh, they're looking for shelter, trying to figure out where to stay. And we get Blanket uh, sets himself up as a little tent. I want to call out the inconsistency of Blanket's size. <laughs> <laughs> they go from Blanket's kind of like a small little thing at some points to it grows to a big fucking whole tent and, and, and everywhere in between. Like they were never consistent with the size of the blanket. Do you notice that at all watching the movie? Uh, I, I mean, I did when they did the tent. I was like, yeah, I saw that and. Th- thought that was unusual maybe te- maybe blanky is unusually elastic who knows yeah could be. there we go <laughs> gotta try and justify it somehow in our heads <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess so we're gonna allow that but i just thought it was kind of strange it kind of kept growing uh or shrinking depending on the needs of the just that one shot so yeah uh here's where lampy kind of calls out the toaster is being nice to blanket so maybe it's because of the flower situation lampy calls it weird but I uh, you know even even Toaster is like, you know, well, it makes me feel warm and toasty inside. You know, it's making me feel like a good person for being nice to others. So there's a good little lesson in there. Yeah. We get a dream sequence of, you know, the kid making faces into the toaster. Um, but, oh, shit, it kind of turns into a nightmare because a whole bunch of smoke comes out of the toaster. He's running around. Um, there's a smoke monster that grabs you know, the master kid. Um, and then then there's the real nightmare fuel where you see this fucking clown fireman. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, like that is the real probably creepiest part of the entire movie. Yeah. Like that is, that's going to probably, yeah, do exactly going to create nightmares for your children. So I hope, I hope they've been able to sleep since watching it, John. You know what? I was worried about that, but they didn't seem to have any issue. 
Okay. They've probably seen some enough fucked up shit already. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff these days, man. Yeah. Um, so the toaster wakes up and there's a whole windy kind of storm going on, which ends up whisking the blanket away. Um, the battery is now dead, but Lampy decides to basically sacrifice himself and he uses himself as a lightning rod conductor and he gets struck by lightning, which recharges the battery and fuck, you think he's dead. But luckily in the very next cut, we see that he's just kind of like really hurt or whatever. He was hurt, but he's all right. Mm-hmm. So the storm's over and they're now searching for blanket. They hear him stuck in a tree and they get him out. They kind of have to, they have the vacuum kind of go up and get him, which the entire time I'm thinking to myself, you're a blanket. You <laughs> will fall gracefully. Just fall out of the fucking tree. <laughs> Why is a vacuum going up to get you? I don't know that the, the head... The little electrical component's going to add some weight to it, so maybe it won't fall yeah. as gracefully as you think. I guess not. But so it's so send this old vacuum, which will you know that should which would break completely, you know, if it actually did that fall. But no, whatever. but it does it does make for a, a good moment for the vacuum, who's basically been acting like he doesn't care about them. True for the whole time, and then has to do this heroic thing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's valid. Well, what happens next to the vacuum though is. Kind of strange. Um, you know, yeah, he's he's showing a little bit of motion with them, but then he like runs over his own cord and it gets like wrapped up in his mouth and like it, it, he almost fucking dies. Yeah. Like it looks really freaky. I, that is not actually a scene that I remembered at all. I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? He's like choking on himself kind of thing. Yeah. You know, then he's all he becomes like a, a grumpy asshole afterwards. He's all I guess maybe he's just upset about the situation or something. Right. He doesn't like I don't think he likes looking vulnerable in front of people. Yeah. So they now are kind of like near this big waterfall, this big ravine that they have to get across and they try to cord up together to get across it and try to swing themselves across, Um, which I thought like, how the hell do you guys think this is going to work? Because if you get Toaster to the other side, Toaster's not strong enough to pull up everybody. They didn't think that one through. I don't know. That's just (laughs) my two cents. Of course, but it ends up failing anyway and you know they all kind of fall down into the waterfall except for kirby who's at the top and you're like well fuck he's all alone now i guess he's just gonna kind of head back and then he jumps off to be with his friends and go save them or something again so again you kind of see that you know what yeah he might say he doesn't care about these things these other appliances uh but he really does but uh, of course now they're they're all lost uh, and toaster feels bad about it i do like this line i want to call it out you know that he's he's feeling bad uh, radio tries to cheer him up and says, Oh, come on now. It's not your fault. Things could be worse, you know. And then Lampy looks at him and looks at the radio and is like, How? How what? How could they be worse? And and the radio's like, They couldn't. I lied. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny. I mean, I do like, I love John Lovitz's voice. As, as annoying as he can be with his voice at times, but that's part of the John Lovitz voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got a, a great voice for animation and he used it quite a bit you know between multiple characters on the simpsons that he did at times um to the critic and then other stuff that he did with his voice but i i think i think he's a damn good uh, voice artist yeah quickly right after this point kirby gets trapped in mud and they're all kind of getting sucked in it's like quick sandy mud thing or whatever and they're all like i don't know even lampy at some point i think it was lampy or maybe it was a blanket 
who kind of resigned themselves to death and were like, it's okay, I'm not afraid of it. And like they're just <laughs> going down. And he's just going down to the mud, very much like, you know, that Toy Story 3 moment where they're all just like, you know, going in to die. And they're just like, okay, they're accepting their fate. These ki- these appliances have accepted their fate going into this mud pit. Um, but the radio, just as he's going down, this uh, nerdy little dude comes in, grabs the radio and pulls them all out. And you're like, okay, wow, they got saved. He very weirdly drives a monster truck. I didn't understand. (laughs) There was no reason for that. Like, where did that come from? Like, the rest of this world is supposed to be fairly normal. And then just this, like, little round dude who, you know, does appliance parts drives a monster truck. Like, why couldn't he just ride a regular truck? I didn't get that. There was another instance where after seeing it, my daughter goes, what is that supposed to be? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even your kids didn't realize that that, that lacks a lot yeah. of logic. <laughs> just just do it normal, people. Yeah. So, yeah, here we get the uh, that kind of creepy lamp that we talked about earlier that uh, Phil Hartman voices um, being very kind of ominous. Use it in good health. Well, you still can. <laughs> uh, we hear a customer comes in and, you know, we're, we're finding out that this guy sells appliance parts and he ends up pulling this motor from a blender. Kind of a, it creeps out everybody. And now we get a uh, song that's definitely meant to kind of freak you out. The, all the other appliances are singing to them and the song is called It's a B-Movie. Which I don't really know the point of, like, the song lyrics, I don't think tied in too well. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of, they're just showing, like, oh, you know, we're kind of like a horror film. Yeah. We're in, here's our horror spot. Um, The song is, I don't know, I probably liked it better than the first song. Yeah, I agree. But it's still not great. (laughs) It's a weird moment where one of the characters singing, I think, is like a a reel-to-reel tape deck. Yeah. And she's kind of singing, like, the style of Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my daughter leans over and goes... She has boobies. <laughs> the tape deck. The tape deck. Tape deck has boobies. Yeah. Because the real to real were placed in a strategic area. Yes. Yes, they were. <laughs> so this man is now looking for uh, some radio tubes. Another customer came in and, you know, he's looking for the radio and we're like, oh, shit. Okay. So he grabs him. He's about to take him apart. And to save radio, the other appliances band together and act like a ghost thing. They have blanket getting on top of the vacuum with the others kind of underneath him and, you know, the light shining stuff, making it somewhat creepy. I mean, again, similar enough to the whole Sid yeah. thing. You know, this is very reminiscent. You watch this and you're just like, okay, I'm seeing all the beats of Toy Story yeah. in this one. Yeah. So, but it scares the guy and now the appliances, you know, they use that to escape. All of the appliances, you know, all the appliances in his store. Uh, ditch him our group uh, they end up making it to the city and we see we kind of cut to the kid we see him he's a little bit more grown up he's packing about to head to college and you know he just says hey i'm gonna go to the cabin and grab those appliances and you're just like god damn it if you just (laughs) fucking stay stayed where you are you would go get you you would get picked up by your master and everything would be perfect but uh so you know he goes to head off there with his um you know i'm gonna say he's dating up this guy, this guy looks like a nerd, but the woman that he is dating, it's just like, wow, you, she's she's too good looking and cool for you. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, well, I, I I say that, but then like all of us, you know, I, when I think of it, we all married up, so yeah. fair enough. <laughs> 
Um, but we do kind of get a quick thing that the appliances in his current house seem a little bit upset. And so that will we'll come back to that uh, because they overhear him saying that he'll, he's going to take a lamp or other stuff. Apparently, all the appliances only like him. They hate his mom. They don't want to be near his mom at all, but they like him. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, there's something special about this kid. Our appliances group, they uh, use a telephone book to get the address of where the kid is. Which is actually, it's a, it says 2470 McBean Parkway. Which is actually a reference to uh, Cal Arts, where all the animators went. Ah, which, uh, cool. which is uh, the address is twenty four seven hundred McBean Parkway. So it was like a little tip of the hat to uh, yeah. to Cal Arts. Just even just seeing that scene made me thankful that phone books aren't much of a thing, and like our addresses. Even though you can go online and find, I could probably find your address pretty easy enough somewhere online. Yeah, um, or vice versa, or whatever. But like they used to just be in books. Right. <laughs> everywhere yeah you know that say that had that kind of information that you know if you wanted to come over to my place all you had to do was find this random book that was in every damn pay pay phone so that kind of made me happy you know what i could use a i I like the little bit of privacy that doesn't have pay phone books or telephone books as much anymore so yeah so they get they get to the apartment that they're living at did you notice the number it was like a113 or something like that or a113 which is a which appears in all kinds of disney movies oh okay in fact my son noticed it he goes a113 that's a disney thing like he oh he already got it i didn't know that that was this wait was this a disney movie uh disney animation studios did the animation oh okay i didn't forget what they didn't distribute distribute it wasn't it wasn't out as like disney's brave little no i don't think they distributed the movie but they it was their animation studio that that did the actual animation okay and i i guess a113 is just kind of like over my head i didn't really notice that that was like a special thing for disney yeah it shows up in all kinds of movies huh okay how many people have have to live in an apartment also own a cabin that's just, I thought that was kind of strange. Well, I mean, maybe if you're, if you, you know, if you're in like New York City, you know, you probably yeah. live in an apartment, so. Yeah, fair enough. And, and they're having to sell the apartment. Maybe they had to go through some financial troubles and they're selling the apartment they had to recently move into the, to that thing. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, but well, they had some nice other appliances. They owned like this uh, computer in 87, um, you know, and like a big old stereo system and other shit like that. So Yeah, they had some money. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, so the, the, our appliance group gets to that apartment and the, uh, current lamp, like this round purpley looking lamp lets them in. Reminded me of Grimace. How did it let them in? I had the, the, how these furnitures handle doors. I don't know how they can <laughs> easily do it, but whatever. And, uh, you could just kind of tell that, you know, something's going to go down between the old appliances versus the new appliances. Um, they do see this old TV that apparently used to be at the cabin that got pulled in. Uh, and so they have a nice little reminiscing. Yeah. Yeah. A nice little, just get that. They're all happy that to see them together, but the appliances, the other newer appliances do sabotage the TV to, about to tell them about something by changing the channel and shit like that. So, um, here we then get a very weird song, maybe my least favorite of the movie about the newer appliances being on the cutting edge. Since you came here uninvited, we all made you be delighted. This is not the time or place to hatch. No one here would be so bold to present you as and no one told you. Let us take you to the cutting edge. I can process words accounting to in my pixel screen displays for you. Computer graphics locked into your memory. Memory, memory, memory. With fiber optics cast in plastic for nights with sights and sounds fantastic. Just reach out and talk to your dear old Uncle Emery. 
ultimately, after that song or whatever, all the new appliances push the old ones into the dumpster, which then gets picked up by the dump truck going to this dump dump place. I don't know whatever it's called. I can't even remember. Ernie's something. Ernie's dump yard or some Dis- shit like disposal? that. Disposal? Maybe it was disposal. Yeah, that's it. Ernie's disposal. That was it. But, uh, we, but luckily, the old TV does see... That it's at Ernie's disposal or whatever. He he can he notices the truck as it's leaving. So we do see that the master kid, you know, while he's checking for the appliances at the cabin, um, you know, while he's there, he fixes the air conditioner, which is kind of sweet. We get the you know the air conditioner got a little moment with the master, and now he's uh, he's kind of been played with or whatnot, and he's back to to working. He's happy again, or he's happy and alive. We cut to our group at the landfill, and we get another kind of another not great song um, but i think it's luckily the last one of the movie where uh they're all about these cars are being worthless i can't take this kind of pressure i must confess one more dusty road it would be just a road too long i just can't i just can't i just can't seem to get started don't have the heart to live in the fast lane All that is past and gone And there ain't nothing you can do about it Hurt me while I panic And all this, the song is kind of being intercut, you know, at the, the landfill while these cars are also getting crushed to pieces and whatnot. They're just getting destroyed by this big, massive crusher thing and this magnet that's going around and getting them. Uh, we do kind of also see while the, the TV is trying to tell the kid, you know, about the junkie or about Ernie's disposal, shit like that. Now, did you notice a weird little thing at one of the parts on the TV where he's trying to get the attention of the kid? Uh, yes. Not only did I notice it, my son noticed it. <laughs> Oh, your son's getting to that age where he well, it, it. it was it was really obvious. Yeah, I mean, the, the he, he's like the guy on the TV is like going through like a filing cabinet, pulls something out. It is clearly a naked woman with stars over her nipples. Yeah, and like they ha- yeah. and it's not like one of those things where it's like it's it's very fast and hard to notice. It hangs there long enough like that. My son like looked at it. And I had already, he already knew that it, that Disney was involved because mm-hmm. he saw the A113 thing. And then he looked at me and he's like, did, did I just see that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, son, you just saw that. Yeah. Your son's 10, right? Yeah. I mean, in just like a three short years, those boobs are going to take over his life potentially <laughs> and his mind. Are you ready for that? Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. I, okay. I think my wife's not ready for that, but yeah. I'll be fine. Well, I mean, it's hard to think about it. I, I don't... You know, I mean, seeing that little guy grow up and just be like knowing he's going to he's going to be, you know, there's this hormones are going to be hitting him real hard and fast coming soon. It's just like, oh, man, you don't know what's coming. buddy. And it's it's wild to think because I, I think back to how I was as a kid and, you know, all the things that happened to me and, mm-hmm. you know, you, things you try to hide from your parents and stuff like that. And <laughs> and and then you, and then now as a parent, I'm like, God, they had they they knew this was coming like. Mm-hmm. How, you know how did I don't because I don't remember how our my parents handled any of that stuff or if they did at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they did, and we repressed memories, John. We just don't talk about it in our family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think like most families, you just don't, you just don't. No. Uh, but I think about I'm it. not really. I don't know. I'm not really that concerned about it. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see <laughs> how it'll go. Uh, all right. So anyway, the TV does eventually get the attention of the master. I don't even know his name. Do we ever get his name? 
in the um, movie? Rob. Rob. Maybe the girlfriend says it or the mom says it or something at some point. Yeah. I don't know. They all just call him the master. So anyway, he the, the TV does get his attention and you know tells him to go to this Ernie's disposal. Uh, so he shows up right as the appliances have been kind of attached to the magnet. And um, the master finds a little old picture of himself at this point, you know, the one that Blanket was carrying around. Yeah. Um, and so he's all like, okay, what the heck's going on? Um, you know, the appliances, they're, you know, kind of going back and forth, trying to escape this conveyor belt that's trying to crush them and shit like that. Trying to get, also trying to get the master to notice them. But uh, the, that mag, big magnet kind of keeps grabbing them and stuff like that. As they're on the conveyor belt, uh, the, the master kid uh, notices the old appliances and he starts getting them, picking them up. You know, it's all awesome. But the big magnet is that determined to crush these things that it sucks them from his hand and he's still holding on to the vacuum and they all get kind of dropped onto the conveyor belt and they're about to get crushed and it's all kind of scary and the toaster is away and he notices that there's these gears going on, you know, that is spinning to that's doing the crushing. And so he jumps himself into the gears to clog them up right in time for the crusher to not crush um, the hand of the master. That was kind of a rough scene to watch because the toaster was getting crunched. He did. He got, yeah, he got intensely crunched. It was like, okay. And again, another kind of martyr moment, similar enough to Lampy from earlier, but like this one, yeah, it seemed a bit more graphic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he jammed himself in there, uh, saved the day, and we cut to uh, the master's place, and the appliances are there, and we see that he's kind of fixing the toaster as well, and yay, it's all excited, everybody's okay, and they uh, they all head out to college with the kid, and... Um, they're off, off on the way, and we've got a funny little line. The vacuum ends the movie with, There, you're all a bunch of junk. <laughs> <laughs> and they laugh, ha, 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 and uh, as they are off on going to college, and the credits roll. And that's the brave little toaster. Um... John, how about you start us off? Um, I didn't have too much of a of a nostalgic remembrance of this movie, so I I felt like I was kind of going in fairly clean because mm-hmm. I barely remembered anything that happened in the movie. Overall, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was anything great. It wasn't the worst thing I'd ever seen, but like, <laughs> you know, if I never see it again, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, I watched it with my kids, um, as I try to with a lot of these movies, at least ones that I feel are appropriate for them to see and i thought they liked it okay there were some you know some moments that uh that they kind of enjoyed i think my son would didn't get as into it as maybe my daughter did a little bit mm-hmm. but overall i don't think it's a movie that they probably will ask to rewatch again although uh, i with my daughter sometimes she surprises me like she'll watch something that i think she's not into and then she'll ask to watch it again later hmm. so okay. we'll see how it is with that but eh, overall it was kind of middle of the road for me yeah middle of the road. all right um so yeah i did have a nostalgic remembrance of the film and watching it again i think it's fairly cute i wouldn't say in general this movie holds up as well as a disney film or don bluth films things like that i did call out and this is before i paid attention that it was you know disney animation that it i said the animation is still very decent in my opinion yeah i think that does compare i, w- I mean that that yeah. I would agree. The animation is solid. 
Yeah, animation is solid. The in general, the story just felt lacking to me. Um, I thought it was kind of strange that these appliances are so obsessed with being played with. Like they're appliances; they're not toys. So why are they? Why do they care about being played with so much? I mean, that, maybe that's why taking this and shifting it to you know toys, right? Basically, and that story makes more sense, and that's why I think it grips a little bit better. Um, but like in general, just the story felt like it was lacking it wasn't as robust as as some of the other stuff that i had seen or that i know of now um but in general i mean the movie's fine mm-hmm. i'll probably never watch this again and i'm fine with that yeah i do think it's fine for a kid as you said both your kids were probably fine with it as well i don't expect it to be the favorite of any kid like this is not a favorite movie i, I don't think for anybody right. out there but it is a it's a decent movie and it's cute enough um, yeah, the animation is really good, and, it, and it's fine. You get you get some weird stuff, but you know, you also get some some cute enough things. So yeah, I'm brave little toaster gets a yeah. You're fine for me. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Okay, you're fine. Now we are going to talk about something that is way more nostalgic for both John and I. I don't. I don't think it's it's uh, overbearing or, or, or false to say that this is probably in one of our favorite animated shows of all time. Oh, for sure, top three for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, and this one. Uh, so this is the critic. It ran from 1994 to 1995. Two seasons, 23 total episodes. There were 10 webisodes that were released um, in 2000 and 2001, mm-hmm. but. I don't count those uh, as part of the show. And I did watch one of them for this and they're not good. They're just straight up. Not good. Not good. Okay. Um, I mean, they're also like four or five minutes long. There's, you don't get a good real story to it. The animation, they were done on shockwave. um, So the animation is just, you know, not, not strong. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, the critic was created by Al Jean and Mike Rice. Uh, They're both writers and producers on the Simpsons. Um, that's where most people will know those names from. They're also worked on uh, the G- It's Gary Shanling show as well as ALF back in the day and, and plenty of other stuff as well. Um, for this show, the critic Judd Apatow was a writer and a consulting producer, mm. uh, which I thought was really cool. And it was also uh, executive produced by James L. Brooks, who was yeah. another one of the main producers of The Simpsons. So there are definite Simpsons ties. Um, one of the funny things is apparently Matt Groening, um, was asked about the show playing. A lot of people thought he had something to do with the show because obviously he's the creator of The Simpsons as well. Right. And he's like, no, that's not my show. I, I have nothing to do with the critic. Leave me alone. Right. <laughs> but people but people just assumed because it had so many ties with The Simpsons that he was involved. But, you know, his other one we know is, is Futurama, which is his big sh- other show besides Simpsons. Yeah. Um, the critic started out on ABC uh, in 94, where it aired its first season of 13 episodes. It was canceled by ABC um, about halfway into the season, and then it was picked up by Fox to have another 10 episodes um, on its second season, and so it aired uh, 10 more there. Uh, this show stars John Lovitz as Jay Sherman. Hello, I'm Jay Sherman, and this is Coming Attractions. Jeremy Hawk is voiced by Maurice LaMarche. Also, a bajillion other characters are voiced by Maurice LaMarche in this show. Right. I will bring peace between the Hindu and the Muslim. 
But first, a tasteful glimpse of me bottom for the ladies. He's Brain from Pinky and the Brain. He's uh, We've talked about him plenty of times. He's a great voice actor. I mean, there's a lot of great voice acting that is in this show. Yeah. Uh, Margot Sherman and various other people were voiced by Nancy Cartwright. Now look, I'll be honest. This is the ride I take with all my brother's girlfriends where they admit they're just using him. Who's most famously as Bart Simpson, but she's done a bajillion voices in her life. Christine Cavanaugh does the voice of Marty Sherman, the son. We were going to go shopping for husky pants together. Excuse us. Then you were going to take me to that ice cream place and tell him it's my birthday again. We've talked about Christine Cavanaugh a hundred times, Chucky Finster, Dexter, tons of stuff yep. uh, that she has done. Kath Succi does various voices in this one. I want to specifically call out Charles Napier oh. from Blues Brothers. I think it was our second episode or third episode. Yeah. He does the voice of Duke Phillips, who is one of my favorite characters <laughs> yes. in any animated show, period. I own this network, boy. Just put up that picture of me on a horse. Duke Phillips is fucking awesome. <laughs> he's basically um, he's basically modeled on Ted Turner. Yeah. Sort of a yeah. Ted Turner-esque, but just way more out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's just, I love uh, that character. That is, He steals every yes, scene he that he's in. Yes, he does. Oh, so I mean, one of my favorite lines is... Is uh, I've, it's one of the early episodes, and he's being interviewed by this woman, and, and she's yeah. she, she's like, "Mr. Phillips, you're fabulously wealthy. You're a world class athlete. You were great in bed last night. How does that feel?" I have no one to envy. I envy you having me to envy. That's <laughs> that is one of my like. I, that is a line I adore as well. It's so good. This show in general, the lines are amazing. Oh, and we'll get to that. I want to call out just a couple more sure. voice stuff. Um, Nick Jameson uh, is a voice actor who I don't think we've talked about a lot, maybe a couple times, but he's done, he did a ton of voices in this show as well. Um, he had a role, a reoccurring role on the show 24. He's done lots of Star Wars games. He was the voice of Morbius in um, the Spider-Man animated show. Okay, But... Apparently, this show, just from its nature, there's a ton of parodies that they do, movie parodies or actors that need, you know, can have to parody their voice or whatnot. So for those parody of voices, depending on on who could do them better, pretty much all of, like, the extra characters were divided up between Nick Jameson and Maurice LaMarche. Yeah. Apparently, each of, like, each of those two guys would play anywhere between, like, 20 to 30 characters per episode <laughs> just like little background people yeah. or you know you, you have a little fake movie um and it would be one of their voices or a couple of their voices doing that stuff so yeah. but the the overall you know just basicness of the show uh, jay sherman he's a new york film critic he's got a show called coming attractions and each episode uh just kind of goes through things with his life but we see tons of film references and parodies and stuff like that just overall pop culture references, tons of that, which I, I think is one of the reasons that I and I'm sure both of us gravitated towards the show and why we still love this show, yeah. because it's almost like an homage, but also a joke on <laughs> big pop culture movies and stuff like yeah. that. And it's just like, I know those movies. And so I love when it's making fun of them as well. One of my favorites is, uh, and I think this one shows up in the very first episode, is the Rabbi P.I., yeah, okay, Arnold yeah, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ava yeah. Nagila, baby. Uh, dreidel, 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 I made you out of clay. This show is just chock full of those things. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's doing puns on puns on puns of just different movies and making fun of this stuff and making fun of the industry as a whole, but just, or, or just the films or the actors or whatever. And I think that's, yeah, for me, because we love 
we still love those movies and whatnot, and it's still fun to just kind of make fun of them. Yeah, I will say it's a it's an instrumental, but I always liked the theme music. Yeah. for this show, it was fun. Hello. Jay, this is your mother. Your father and I are taking you out of our will. We feel you already have enough money. Oh, yes, and happy birthday. It was fun. It, it, it always had this in the middle of it, this little, like, wake-up phone call. Yeah which was kind of funny. Um, usually it would be something different each time. Almost like, you know, how the Simpsons had like their couch gag. Right, exactly. This, is, this would be kind of its own kind of thing like that. Um, but yeah, the, the theme, theme song was catchy. And did you know who uh, who did the opening theme song? Oh, I, actually, I saw it on the uh, credits as I was watching, which I'd never noticed before. I believe it was Hans Zimmer, wasn't it? It was freaking Hans Zimmer yeah. did the music. He also did, worked on, I think, um, some extra music for the show as well. But it's just like, dude, just where you don't expect to see Hans Zimmer on stuff. <laughs> right. He just keeps popping up. And it's just like, holy crap, Hans, <laughs> booby, you're amazing. Bubba. <laughs> Bubba. Um, yeah. But uh, similar enough with the um, that phone call gag it, in the uh, opening credits they always would have like a, a little ender gag with you know at the end of the credits where you'd see Jay watching in a movie theater and this usher would come in and he would usually say usually it was like in a un- unique line sometimes it was the same you know rehash stuff over and over again um, but it was always kind of funny I liked those little things excuse me sir the show's over get away zit face this was apparently the only TV show to be reviewed by Siskel and Ebert. Oh. On Siskel and Ebert, not <laughs> by Siskel and Ebert. Okay, that's funny. Okay, because they obviously they only did movies, but right. it totally makes sense because they had, they had some um, uh, cameos in the show as well. Yeah, which they didn't so. actually give it a, a thumb vote. They just kind of okay. talked about it. Yeah, and they had part of it. I mean, they used multiple um, of those other kind of like famous critics like the- Gene Shalit. Uh, Gene Shalitz, yeah, uh, Siskel and Ebert. They kept referencing this guy, Rex Reed, who I have no idea who he is, but he's apparently another film critic guy. Mm. Um, but stuff like that. Uh, this show, they really tried maybe a little too hard to to have some like catchy uh, things, kind of like the the I Carumba right. from from yeah, like a catchphrase. So, but he did have a couple. Jay Sherman had a couple of them, which I think are awesome. Which I still say to today, and I know you do too. I know it. So we've got a couple things like his famous, his most famous line is, "It stinks." It stinks, <laughs> which he would say to anything, right? He would clear his throat in a perfect, just a, a very interesting way, which I, I, you and I have both said it, said this at times, just randomly, where he just goes, Achim, Achim. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I do, I do say that quite a bit. Yes, you do that. Uh, and he, I love how he says, Hachi Machi. Hachi Machi. Like, that's another thing that yep. I, I pull us on. And, and and just from some of the other um, specific episodes, you, you called out the Envy line. Love that Envy line. I love uh, in the episode where it was kind of a play on misery we mm-hmm. talked about. He has this little, like, talking uh, stand that goes, Buy my buck! Buy my buck! Sorry, it had to be done. Why? All he said was, Buy my buck! Buy my buck! Buy my buck! I'll be quiet. 
buy my book, <laughs> buy my book. And it's just, it's so annoying, but it's just funny as hell. A cab driver, you know, he, he says, look at sign, look at sign. And, it, and the sign says, I only speak three words of English. Right. And it's just, it's funny, <laughs> particularly all of this stuff and these lines, it, it just ties into the writing on the show and how good it was. And it was very similar to the Simpsons on the writing. Yeah. Naturally makes sense. It, it shared writers. To me, it, it's the same kind of writing as The Simpsons, but in its prime. Like, this is prime Simpsons writing. This is gold comedy writing, John. Yeah. It's gold. And so I, I I just love the type of humor that they have on this show. They did even have a, a crossover of Jay Sherman appeared on a Simpsons episode. Yes. Yeah, yes, I, I watched that. that. Did you watch that one at all? Uh, no. I, basically, I didn't get to start watching this until last night. I didn't get around okay. to it. And I knew I was going to start watching the whole thing. So I just, I basically got through the first half of the first season and I okay. kind of stopped there. But my, cause my intention is tonight I'm going to continue watch. I'm just going to go through the whole thing. I figure for some reason, I just kind of had an idea that you were going to watch the entire show. I mean, it's 23 episodes. It's not that much of a commitment. Right. But it is, it's well worth your time to do it. And I thought about doing that, but my wife and I are right now, we're really hitting Breaking Bad hard. And I finally <laughs> got her in a groove to Breaking Bad, which makes me happy because I love that show. And I've been trying to introduce her to it. And so we're now we're in season three and she's really enjoying it. Um, I've still never seen it. I don't want to take her away from it. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to push the critic. But she has watched the entire thing with me before. Okay. Uh, so so even she adjur- uh, appreciates the show. But like I I will probably, I mean, this is a show that I go back and watch every couple years. It's not every year or yeah. whatnot. But every few years, I'm like, you know what? I miss the critic and I want to go put it on. And it, boy, it makes me happy. Yeah. Every time I do it. Um, as, as I mentioned, there is, uh, it's in season six of The Simpsons. So, like, right in, like, prime Simpsons quality. Okay. Um, there's a, uh, the episode called A Star is Burns. And it's all about a, a film festival that comes to Springfield. Or they make a film festival. And they do, um, like, their own movies in it. And it's where, you might have heard the quote in one of our other favorite podcasts, the um, Trivial Warfare. He kind of, Jonathan loves this quote. The, the Boo Earns. Boo Earns. Smithies, are they booing me? Uh, no, they're saying Boo Earns. Boo Earns. Are you saying Boo or Boo Earns? <laughs> it's just funny. It's a funny line. I, I think it's a pretty famous line from Simpsons that uh, has it came from that episode. But yeah, that had a, a Jay Sherman uh, it, there's also it's a lot of humor in that episode where they're making fun of like oh this is a shameless plug crossover right like you even hear bart like making fun of crossovers at some point and just uh, one of my favorite lines from it is at the end jay sherman is like you know because he has that show coming attractions he's like hey if you ever want to come on and be on my show feel free and bart's like we're not going to be doing that <laughs> and it was just like no man they're the simpsons they're too fucking big they're not they're not coming on your show um but yeah you can come on there so the the critic basically made its protagonist jay sherman almost like the anti Homer, um, where Homer is like, you know, drinks a lot of beer. He's the everyman. Uh, Jay Sherman is an elitist uh, where Homer is just really dumb and just kind of very a physical kind of creature. Jay Sherman is very smart and kind of leads with his mind in Mm -hmm. in general. Homer's a slob. Jay is a snob. Mm-hmm. kind of thing um now they're both fat and you get a lot of fat jokes yeah <laughs> and i love the fat jokes yeah. that's basically all i had about this show before we start gushing about how much we loved it did you have anything else you wanted to add no i mean you pretty much covered everything i do love about the show cool 
Well, then I'll, I'll let you start, you know, since I've kind of gone through all that. That's fine. Tell me, John, how much do you love The Critic? Oh, my God, I love the show so much. Um, <laughs> I was so happy to, to revisit it. I went over to my DVD collection to pull it out since I have the complete series mm-hmm. on DVD. I do, too. And... Uh, I even pulled the kids. I was like, "We're gonna watch this," and I was, and, I, and and I even told my son, "I was like, it's it's there's a lot like it's similar to The Simpsons." And we get about twenty or like fifteen minutes into the first episode, my son's like, "This is nothing like The Simpsons." I'm like, <laughs> "You're not paying attention." Yeah, the the humor is there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's there. It's very similar. He, my son, really didn't get into. Actually, my daughter, I think my daughter liked it more than my son did. I thought she was okay. Uh, she likes because there's a lot of goofy stuff that happens in there. So I think some of the slapsticky yeah. stuff she thought was hilarious. So she watched a lot more of it with me than than he did. I think he only watched the first episode, and then she watched several more. That first episode, the pilot, is a really good episode. Yeah. It might be one of my favorites of the entire show. Yeah, it was honestly. a really strong opening for uh, mm-hmm. for the show. But man, I God, this this show used to just be on strong rotation for me. Um, like mm-hmm. especially way back in like my college years when I didn't have cable and most of what <laughs> I watched was whatever I had in my DVD collections, which is how I ended up with so many DVDs. Because after a while, you only watch the same things over and over again, so you try to yeah. buy you know new stuff. And but this one was always, every so often I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go on a critics run and I'll just you know watch a couple episodes every night and just go through it. Mm-hmm. And I was super excited to jump back into it and. I wish I could have finished watching the entire series before we talked about it, but I knew that even if I hadn't watched a single episode, I've watched this show enough times and remember yeah. enough stuff to to be able to remember how much I loved it. And it's still funny, and I was still laughing last night, and I can't wait later, you know, tonight before I go to bed to to watch another episode or two before I go to sleep. So I I love this show. I love it so much. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you, and I I fully agree that the humor really does stand the test of time. It's not too dated you know it's it's smart humor it's you know it's play on pop culture stuff that i think is a lot of it is still relevant because they really only played on the biggest pop culture things right it's not they weren't really joking on a lot of the small stuff now there is some of that stuff too and so if you are in the know with some stuff it's even funnier i'm with you and, and it, honestly it might have even been you that got me into the show later or they were they the show did i don't remember if i watched it brand new but i definitely watched it on cartoon or on comedy, comedy central. central yeah they used it, to- it, it it was in syndication on comedy central and that's where probably i watched it the most yeah but then i ended up also getting the dvds just like you and i had them through college and i played them through college and stuff like that it, it's it's a show that i'm gonna be fond of and i'm going to recommend for everyone else, especially you know if you're listening to this podcast it means you probably love you know old school pop culture shit mm-hmm. then you will and if you love the simpsons I think you'd appreciate the type of humor on this one and you would get some of the jokes and the puns that um, some other people who don't love movies as much might not get. Call to action. Everybody out there, go check out The Critic. Unfortunately, well, I think it's on Crackle right now, um, which is free. You can get, you can, you don't even know if you have to sign up. You can start watching Crackle shit um, and just watch all the episodes on there. But just go do it. The Critic is 100% worth your time. Absolutely. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... We are going to the Super Bowl! You get the tickets, the trip's on me! Dana and John were psyched. Dana took the American Express card, but John took that other card. John had trouble at the airport. What? I'm over my limit? Sorry. Do you take American Express? Of course. Yes! Miami, Miami, Miami. 
Reverse in your wheel. Only take the American Express card. Yeah, but... Hey, relax. Yes! Then, at the stadium... Oh, let me at least pay for the ticket. Hey, wait a minute. That card's no good here. I thought the TV had said you took it! Finally, John found a place at the Super Bowl that takes that other card. The souvenir stand. You got me this with your card? Yeah. Thanks. The American Express card. Don't leave home without it. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be... Uh, casting Marvel 2099 characters. Uh, the Marvel 2099 line uh, came out kind of in the early 90s. Um, it was kind of in. It was kind of initiated by Stan Lee, who wanted to do kind of a World of Tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. type thing. That particular thing didn't really kind of pan out very well. Um, but the Marvel 2099 line of comics uh, did go for a little bit. Um, and then recently, about a year ago, they had another limited run where they did five, seven, six or seven issues. They were just one-off issues. Hmm. They had just a Marvel 2099 one, and then they had some individual ones uh, with various characters. And I ha- I bought all of those except except for they did a Conan 2099, huh. and I don't have that one because the store that I bought them from had all of them except for that one. And he and the the guy who was running the store was like, yeah, I didn't order that one because I didn't think anyone was gonna want it, <laughs> so he doesn't have it. And I did have a Hulk 2099 comic from back originally in the 90s. I think oh, I, yeah. I think I had issue number one actually. Uh, it was it was uh, you know it was called Unlimited. It was twenty ninety nine Unlimited, and it had Hulk and Spider Man. Yes, 20, both of them, both of them on there. Yeah, because I because when I was doing my research, I looked through just some like uh, while well, I was just looking through because I had to look through their pictures because I don't really remember only only uh, Miguel O'Hara is the only one that I kind of knew. Yeah, but when I saw that cover of the 2099 unlimited i was like oh fuck we had that yeah i know that comic yeah um, i might still have it i'm i'm mm-hmm. su- i have a, a bunch of stuff that surprisingly uh, old comics will pop up i just have to search through the right stuff yeah so uh just to kind of give a very brief thing the the marvel 2099 world is a possible future of the 616 universe mm-hmm. in marvel um it's kind of a dystopian world uh, where sort of corporations kind of run everything in like big cities, and then you have like the underworld, which is you know very kind of ma- almost Mad Maxian and that sort of thing. There's kind of a lot going on. I'm not gonna dive too deep into it. Um, mm-hmm. They they had a whole bunch of sort of what they called legacy characters, where they kind of redid them. Um, so some of the le- the legacy characters we're gonna be doing are Ghost Rider, Hulk, Punisher, Spider Man. Thor and Captain America. Now, not all of those actually had their own issues. Some of them just appeared in stuff, but I thought that would they were unique enough to do it. Uh, Doctor Doom also got his own yeah. twenty ninety nine one, which I didn't really want to do Doctor Doom, so uh-huh. I didn't leave that in there. And then they had one character that was made specifically for the twenty ninety nine run called Ravage. Uh, I'll maybe talk about him a little bit when we get to him. So okay. let's start with Captain America, who doesn't have. Um, her own line because she's a woman mm-hmm. in this in this world, but she does appear in a couple of comics. Plus, I I didn't want to just I didn't want to I'm a lot of dudes a lot of dudes a lot of white dudes. So yeah, I was like, you know what, we're we're gonna throw some other people in here. So Adam, why don't you start us off with your Captain America, aka Roberta Mendez? 
Yeah. Um, because I didn't really know these characters all that much, uh, Spider-Man 2099 was the only one that I had read anything from, or at least remembering reading, reading anything from. I stuck to pretty much what I saw. Yeah. And I didn't really know their characters enough to be like, oh, your personality would fit this other person or a female or gender bended or something or right. do another race or something. Like that. I really, so I just kind of went on, what do they look like? Who do I think can do it? I'll be honest with you. I've like, I've read all, I read all the one-offs and stuff like that. And I remember saying, honestly, the 299 books are not all that great. In fact, most of them really aren't that great. So <laughs> it's like, it's kind of a neat idea for the characters and for the world. I just yeah. don't think the writing was very good. So I, similar to you, I kind of just went off the look and sometimes I just went off like knowing, especially the legacy characters, kind of knowing what their, you know, the character is about. I just kind of went with a person I thought would fit that. Yep. Fair enough. So. Uh, all right. So my Captain America, Roberta Mendez, uh, I wanted a uh, Latina actress, um, someone who I, I thought has done some kind of actiony stuff before. Um, so I was looking through a couple different people, and uh, I ended up I ended up going with uh, an actress who I think would be really perfect for the role. Um, she does the character of Rain in the Supergirl show, so she's used to being kind of dressed up. Her name is uh, Odette Annabelle. Okay. But she, I mean, she's done, she's done superhero stuff. She's worn costumes before, yeah. um, particularly with uh, Supergirl stuff. So I, I feel like she'd probably be an easy transition that uh, I think this would, she'd be right for the role. Yeah. I mean, she's got the right look. Yeah. She's got, she's cool. got the right look. She's got some experience. I mean, she was in Cloverfield. She's got some other stuff. She's been in, in Supergirl. So yeah, that worked. I think she looks great. Cool. I went with an actress who... It's probably more well-known. At least she was more well-known when she was a kid for doing some, actually some kind of action-y movies. Mm. But when she popped up in the second Machete movie, people <laughs> freaked out as to how grown up she'd looked. Um, from her days as one of the spy kids, I went with Alexa Pena Vega. Ah, uh, that's, uh, she was someone that I kind of looked through that, uh, yeah, she kind of made my my potential first look, and I didn't end up going with her. But, yeah, she definitely is, uh, is, is grown up. Yeah. And she and with her Spy Kids stuff, I think that's a great a great callback. Okay. No, yeah, good call. Good call. All right. Well, let's go on to Thor, which in this futuristic world, um, there is actually, Thor is actually a church. It's the Church of Thor. And Cecil McAdams, who is Thor, is actually a... Um, a priest of, of some kind in this church. Uh, so uh, I'll go ahead and state mine. So, I mean, he looks very much kind of like Thor, blonde hair, that sort of thing, kind of Viking looking. So um, admittedly, this was sort of a last second casting for me because I forgot to cast him until right before we did this. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was like, okay, Thor, he's a Viking. I'm going to go with the Viking. So I went with uh, someone who was on the show Vikings for a long time. I went with uh, Travis Fimmel. Travis Fimmel. Okay. Yeah, that's a good call. He was actually someone that I looked at as well because of his casting on uh, Vikings. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind of a big enough dude. I think he would look good. Funny enough, I also went with somebody who's on the show Vikings, but I went with the other main lead guy or another lead dude on the Vikings. I went with Alexander Ludwig okay. as my Thor because he was like, I, I, I did the exact same connection as you. I was just like, all right, 
who am I looking for? Oh, you know what? I bet someone on that show Vikings would be good. <laughs> that ties into Thor. And then and so I was kind of looking between Travis Fimmel and um, Alexander Ludwig, even though I think Travis Fimmel probably could have more mass and be like a bigger guy. Well, um, uh, Alexander Ludwig yeah. is taller than Travis Fimmel. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. So it's oddly enough, Alexander plays his son on the show. Oh, okay. They're probably right around the same age, though, too. <laughs> no, Alexander's a little bit younger. He is okay. He is. Yeah, he's, he's born a younger too. Honestly, I mean, I I like Travis Fimmel for a kind of a young Thor. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I think you probably have the better call. I, I did. Okay. I did look kind of briefly look at him. I was like, well, I already picked Travis Fimmel. I'm going to go with him. But honestly, I think I think he would be better. Plus, he's I, a little bit blonder too. He's a little, he's bit, just he's very, a little bit blonder. Yeah, he's tall. And I kind of liked the idea, especially with a lot of the ones I've cast here. Um, I liked going with a little bit sort of more unknown actors. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. pick any just huge name actors for any of these people. So I kind of liked the idea. I like I like your call better. Okay, mine. cool. You, you, you and your wife used to watch Vikings, right? Yes. We, we did not watch the most recent season, not because we didn't want to, but just kind of because they didn't really advertise it. We kind of missed it and we've kind of been in the, there's so much going on on TV right now that, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're we're kind of catching up on everything. Yeah. We haven't seen the most recent, uh, season yet. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I haven't seen it at all, but I need to. And knowing that either of those guys could play Thor, I think I just need to watch that shit. Yeah. The first, first two or three seasons are really, really good. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So, you know what? I have on my list I have Spider-Man because but because he's probably the most well-known one. Let's mo- let's save him for the end. I agree. He he is probably the biggest or he he's I think the character that had yeah, he he's probably the fan favorite of all the 2099 characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he even showed up in the um into the Spider-Verse movie. Yeah, exactly. At the very end, so. Okay, so let's go on to the only uh unique character on here which was Ravage, who mm-hmm. is kind of like a kind of a mutant soldier looking kind of guy yeah so yeah. you know but he can kind of he transforms into this big like horny horned kind of thing yeah honestly you could have all kinds of different people play this mm-hmm. so uh i went with i wanted to go with a relatively unknown actor unknown as far as like not getting a lot of leading man stuff so um i actually picked this guy who's been in a lot of stuff he's maybe a little bit older but I mean, with thing, the way things are nowadays, I don't think it really matters. As long as he can physically like stand up and yeah, as long as you didn't say like Charlton Heston or somebody who's like really fucking. I old. went with Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yeah, Wilford. <laughs> uh, My ravage has got diabetes. <laughs> uh, so I actually went with an actor uh, named Rufus Sewell. Uh, he's an English actor. He's actually best known for being in the 98 movie Dark City. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember that movie. I didn't care for that movie. That Nothing to do with the actor. Right. I just didn't. People love that movie, and yeah. I was just like, eh. But he's he's been in a ton of stuff. So, I mean, he's a definitely a, he's a working actor. He's, yeah. you know, but not very well known. So I I thought he would kind of work well. Plus, I, I like the, the look of him. He's got kind of a, yeah. a little bit of a gruff look he could He use. does kind of. I could see him as a... Um, as a scary soldier, yeah, for sure. Oh, and he was in Man of the High Castle, playing like a creepy Nazi kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know his work well enough. Mm-hmm. I do remember Dark City, but I just don't. I didn't remember loving the movie, so I don't remember much of the movie. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see his call on that one. Okay, so I kind of leaned into like the I don't know the big strong guy kind of thing with uh, the Ravage character that I saw at least for what I was looking at. And I didn't think much about it. I kind of just wanted, and I went with younger, a younger guy. Um, my actor is probably 
25 years younger than the one that you went with, mm. uh, which is totally fine. But I, I went with a dude who looks pretty good with his shirt off. Um, <laughs> he played Hercules in a movie. He was in the Twilight series. His name is Kellen Lutz. That's who I went with as my Ravage. Oh, he's got the right look. Yeah, he's definitely got the right look. He looks like he could be thick and, uh, you know, have like, you know, he had to run around in a soldier's shirt or soldier's gear with without a shirt on and yeah. transfer into like a Hulk-ish kind of character. Not really Hulk, but like something different. Yeah. I don't know. He, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's my call. Uh, he was in The Expendables 3. I don't know if you said that. Yeah. I, I didn't say that. I did see The Expendables 3. It's a piece of shit film. <laughs> um, I love I loved Expendables one, and I enjoyed Expendables two. Expendables three is a fucking nightmare. Don't ever see it. And they drop it to PG thirteen. Uh, this is the fucking Expendables, and you drop it to PG thirteen. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, I've only seen the second one. Okay. I never saw the first one, but I I, I mean it was fun. I mean I went in knowing like this is just going to be like a fun adventure romp. Exactly. And, so, and you want it's supposed to be adventure, supposed to be kind of bloody and just yeah. you know, dumb action. And then they kind of ruin it with PG thirteen. Okay. But uh, he played Hercules in the Legend of Hercules, so Yeah, I did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was so he was Hercules, so he's yeah. got some action chops to him. All right, cool. No, that's a good choice. That's a good cool. call. That's a good call. Uh okay, so let's go to Punisher. Um, I mean, people are pretty much familiar with who the Punisher is. In the 2999 one, he's kind of like, he's a, a cop who's kind of like fed up with how things are running in this city. So he kind of becomes the Punisher. Uh, why don't you go ahead and start sure. us off on that one? Um, I, I went with an actor who's a little bit older. He's uh, kind of similar, I guess, to how your average guy, but actually my actor might be just even just a tiny bit older than that. He's played characters like the Punisher before, and it's because he's perfect in that type of role. And I and I don't I didn't know much about Punisher twenty ninety nine and so I'm like eh, I'm sure it's okay if he's a slightly older Punisher. Yeah, I, um, I went with a little bit older too, so don't feel bad. Okay, cool. Um, this guy, he's he's just if he was younger, he probably would have been cast as the Punisher in a lot of other stuff. Um, but he yeah, he's that fucking good. Uh, he was great as the comedian. He's mm. great as Negan. I went with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's a that's also a good call. Yeah, you can't yeah. go wrong. Any kind of you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's. Negan, uh, Punisher is just Negan with slightly better morals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slightly. slightly, just on the just on the on the slight edge side side of good. Yeah, and that's it. No, that's a good call. Um, I went with uh with an actor who's a little he's a little bit older actually. He's he's probably in his well he's five years older than me, so he's gonna be in his mid forties. Okay, so. well yeah, Jeffrey D. Morgan's older than that, so. He was born in '66, so if this guy was your guy was born in my guy's nine years older than yours. So. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I I changed mine up a little bit uh-huh. and went with a, a different actor who's done a bunch of different stuff. Um, he played uh, he played Quincy Jones in the movie Ray. Uh, he was in Menace to Society and he was in the movie Crash. I went with Lorenz Tate. Oh, Lorenz Tate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't. I feel like I might have used him recently. Um, I may or may not have. But I remember at least like looking at his uh, IMDb recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a good actor. I like him in Crash. Um, like him in everything he does. Honestly, yeah, he's a he's a good dude. So I'm sure I'm sure he could pull back to his like menace to society days mm-hmm. and kind of get some of that anger out and be a good Punisher. Yeah, I'm all for that. All right, cool. So let's go to Hulk. Hulk 2099. The character of Hulk is a guy named John Eisenhart, uh, mm-hmm. who is like a a, a C. Uh, or he's a uh, film executive, yeah, studio executive. And I, I know a couple of film executives that are just assholes. <laughs> so I think that's uh, you know, and, and that's one thing I saw that like his character kind of like honestly the the Hulk is more of a heroic dude, and then the 
film executive is more of like an asshole dude. Yeah. Like the, the actual Eisenhart's a kind of a yeah. joke. I took the kind of opportunity to go with it and I, I was like, let's get an older person in there because when he turns in the hole, mm. that doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, who would make a good asshole studio executive? So I went with a little bit of an older guy. Um, I went with kind of a character actor who's, you know, you've seen him in a million different things. And he was actually in the 2004 Punisher movie. I went with the actor Will Patton. You will instantly recognize him as soon when you see his photo. Yes, and I do. Oh, what is the movie that I know him from? Probably Armageddon. Probably Armageddon. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was the, the um, yeah, that one, that guy in. He was the one. With, he was the one with the about. with the boy, yeah. and you know. Yes, the one with the boy. Yes, that's it. That's that's exactly that I remember. Yeah, he's good. He is definitely one of those good actors who you don't think yeah. about. I mean, he he you know he he plays secondary characters in a lot of different things. Um, he was recently in the the short lived uh, Swamp Thing series, which I haven't seen. Oh, um, I. Yeah, I'd neither. love to see, but I'm just not going to shell out the the because I actually saw the no. first season of Titans uh, on Netflix and loved it, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to shell out the the money to get DC. And and gone it. in sixty seconds. That's where I also okay. remember him from. Gone in sixty seconds. Okay, I mean he's been in a ton of things. Yeah, he has. He's got a shit ton of credits. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to see him as the asshole guy and then him turn into the Hulk and however they wanted to. I mean, they can you know they can just use the motion capture which they would use anyway. So. He kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, the poor man's Ed Harris is kind of <laughs> what I'm looking at. Does that make sense? That's, yeah. But I mean, I mean that in the best possible way. He's a really yeah. good actor. <laughs> I, I like okay. that. The poor man's Ed Harris. Yeah. Um, great call. I like it. Uh, interesting to, to kind of have an older Hulk uh, and see how that would work. I definitely didn't go that route. Okay. That's fine. I, I, I tried to like start off my thing because I was thinking of like movie execs and I was like, okay. You know, I, I typed out who are some smarmy actors or smarmy kind of character looking things. And um, what kind of came to mind is uh, like some American Psycho. And so I was trying to think of some people from that. And I kind of originally thought Jared Leto might be good because he, he kind of looks like he could be smarmy, you know, slick back his hair kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how he did with uh, in that movie. But ultimately, I wanted to try and stick to what we've done previously, which is no people in the current MCU. Right. Could be in my cast, so I try to make sure no, no, um, any current MCU people are in there. So I didn't want Jared Leto, even though he's not technically going to be in MCU. Uh, he's maybe he will because he's going to be playing Michael Morbius, who's tied in with Spider Man. I don't know if how how if it is even going to be tied in with Spider Man. Maybe, maybe not. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't want to put him in there. I went with an actor who. I've never seen him play Smarmy, but I'd like to test his range. Um, he usually is kind of like a funny guy um, with some of the stuff that he's done, but he's definitely done some more action stuff recently. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him kind of be, yes, Smarmy, but action in here. And he was uh, he was potentially almost going to be our Captain America, but now he's not. So now, fuck it. I'm going to put him in as my Hulk 2099. I went with John Krasinski as my Hulk. Okay. I think if you slick back his hair, you know, do that straight slick back oily look, yeah, he, I think he will have a movie executive look. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, that, yeah, I can see that. Okay. So that two very different people of Will Patton and John Krasinski, but. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. Okay. I know there's a lot of people angling for him to be uh, Mr. Fantastic. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, I, I'm just you don't not, see it? I'm not feeling that. Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm okay with that. Maybe I would like that. I just don't give any fucks about Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's really the thing. <laughs> yeah. I have the same problem. I have a yeah. hard time getting into who's going to get cast for any of those people because I don't really care about those characters. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's go to Ghost Rider. 
Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine, um, and yeah, which this- is uh, looking looking up the 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 story or like the the bag of like this is fucking weird yeah (laughs) it's weird he's like a he's like a cyber thief yeah um, who plugs himself uh, they're trying to steal something from uh you know him and the gang that he is in i was trying to steal something from actually a company that his father works for and he plugs himself in because they're kind of like you have kind of like Mm -hmm. the cybernetic cyborg implants stuff into this thing and then basically he gets killed while in the cyberverse, and then they he gets downloaded to this <laughs> mechanical Terminator-looking thing, mm-hmm. um, and that becomes the new Ghost Rider. It's a weird robotic with a scully head. Yeah, and flame. He's head. got it's like weird. a he's got like a chainsaw hand or yeah. something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, and a lot of the 2099 stuff is a little weird. Um, that was actually the f- second book I read was the Ghost Rider one, and it was. Eh. Yeah, some of these just the writing was not great. <laughs> um, okay. So the the character name is Kenshiro Cochran, also known as Zero. So uh, he's got a little bit of an Asian mm-hmm. influence in it. So I went with a uh, kind of a half Asian uh, mm-hmm. actor um, who's been in a, a lot of good actiony things. Um, he's recently been in the Wu Assassins TV show. He was uh, in Into the Badlands, and he played. He's going to be in the new Mortal Kombat movie coming out in 2021. I don't know who he's playing, though. I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing Liu Kang. Um, but he was also Shatterstar in Deadpool 2. I went with Louis Tan. Yeah, I like Louis Tan quite a bit. I I cast Louis Tan as my Liu Kang. Oh, way back when we cast- Way back when we did our casting. Now, I don't think he is going to be playing Liu Kang. I okay. think that's going to um, maybe Daniel Wu or somebody. Okay. I, I can't remember. Maybe not. But... Um, yeah, I like Louis Tan a lot. Uh, I think he would have a, he'd be a great call, absolutely okay. great call. I went with my my actor. I also went with the Asian actor or Asian looking actor at least. Oh, that sounds bad. I went with an Asian <laughs> actor, Asian American actor, mm-hmm. a little bit older I think than Louis Tan, probably by about ten years or so. Um, but he has been no shortage of action movies because he's been in quite a few of the Fast and the Furious franchise. I went with uh, Sung Kang as my Kenshiro Cochran. He's uh, he's been in five or six of those movies or something like that, as well as Bullet, Bullet to the Head, uh, Fast and the Furious. He was in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, the second one, Fast Five, Furious Six. He's going to be in F Nine, so he's going to be in like you know multiple of those. Uh, but yeah, he's he's no shortage of uh, action movies that he's done, and so I think you know what let's let's get him to the MCU. Oh, he was the one that people were kind of like freaking out that he was going to be in the new one. Yes, because they people thought he was dead or something like, something that, like that. And now he's okay. back. Okay. Hannah's back. Oh, and his name, his name in that does the that movie series. Uh-huh. So he's he just goes by Han or Han, right? But he is it has an Asian spelling. It's Siolo is the is the last name. Han Siolo <laughs> is it, it's. I think that's <laughs> fucking cute. Han that's Siolo, stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> it's funny, but it's still stupid. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean. I mean, he looks. I'd, I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, nor do I really have okay. a desire to. But he he's got a lot of credits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> you're cool. All right, fine. I'll take the yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, he's obviously yeah. he's obviously he's doing know. good work. He's getting work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I, he's just not in anything that I would watch. Okay, and that's just that's just because I don't typically watch those types of movies. Yeah. So okay, but obviously he's good. They're, they're bringing him back. So. Yeah, I'll I'll go. I'll give you a thumbs up for that one. Yay! I'll take a thumbs up. Okay. Uh, all right, and that leads us to our last one, right? 
That does. We are down to just Spider-Man. Just Spider-Man. All right. Adam, why don't you start us off with this one? Sure. Um, Spider-Man. 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 Miguel O'Hara. You know, he he pretty much has the the powers of Spider-Man with some extra tech stuff to him. I think things Mm -hmm. like that. Cool look to him. You know, he's got a great looking costume. Probably the best one out of all the 2099 characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so Miguel O'Hara, uh, he's got some kind of like Hispanic heritage to him. So I went with an actor who also has some uh, Hispanic heritage. Um, he's no shortage uh, for some action stuff before because he starred in a show called Teen Wolf. And so he had to do some action stuff with that. I think he would probably, he's got the look that I want for, you know, kind of still has a young look. I think he would be great as a Spider-Man. I went with Tyler Posey. Yeah, he's got the he's got the look for him. Okay. I mean, oh man, he's he played a lot. He played J-Lo's son in Made in Manhattan. <laughs> He's done a lot of TV work. Yeah, a lot of, a bit of TV work. work. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I mean he's definitely he's got the look for it. I'll I'll definitely give you that. Um, okay. He's almost. He's like late twenties. Yeah, twenty nine. Twenty nine ish. Okay. Or he'll be twenty nine this year. That's I fine. Think. I don't. I mean, so, yeah. I I don't. I don't remember. I don't think like Spider Man twenty nine nine needs to be. It needs young. to be the high school kid, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember either. I don't yeah. I don't think so. I don't think but so. Yeah, it's not like, I think I would rather not, he not be a high school kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with something exactly. else. Because he's still supposed to be like a genius or some stuff like that, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, But he's like, a, I think he's like like working that. in like a chemical I, lab or some shit like that. Yeah. It's funny, I just said that, but my, I went with a guy who definitely looks really young. Looks really young, yeah. <laughs> looks really young. And uh, he doesn't have a ton of credits to his name. Uh, his first sort of really big one uh, was in the movie Logan. Um, he was one of the kind of kids towards the end who they meet up with um, and you know, in the big uh, fight at the end. And he's had a couple of different series, but I just kind of like the look of him. And I thought he could make a, a good Miguel. I went with an actor named Jason Janow. Yeah, he's got a, yeah, definitely a young look to him. Yeah, you're dead on. That look, that look is like a young, I could totally see him as a young Miguel kind of character mm. he's a young looking kid though you're right man real young looking kid uh not in a bad way but just depends on if you want to kind of have that be a thing all for it right cool yeah no. i mean I, I i approve on looks alone okay with the with the possible exception of lewis tan maybe Trimus, uh, travis fimmel and mm-hmm. i mean to a lesser degree alexa Pena vega i w- wanted to go with people who we're not yeah. huge, huge stars, and and could could make something their own without without the expectation. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes I have a really hard time. Not all the time, but some big name actors. As soon as I see them, I have a hard mm-hmm. time taking it. It's not like I see the character. I just see, oh, that's that actor who is playing this. And I I hate to say this, but recently I had a really hard time actually with um, Peter Dinklage when in. Infinite in the Infinity War. Yeah, I agree. And that, I didn't I like that I kind of took that character. Yeah, that yeah. that I, had a hard, I didn't see that character either. I had a hard time with that one. You d- yeah, you're right. That on. was Absolutely that's right just the most that. recent one that came to mind. But so I wanted to go with someone you know, relatively, you know, some people who were relatively unknown who could disappear into the roles, mm-hmm. uh, which I you know I think was a good thing. Like uh, Tom Holland, who was still very relatively unknown and and yeah. disappeared into the current Spider-Man one. So yeah, because now that's all I see him as as is Spider-Man. So. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that was our casting of some Marvel 2099 characters. Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and Adam go over the Aerosmith album, Get a Grip. And don't forget, in the upcoming future, we will be putting out a trivia-based nostalgic 
podcast. We hope you're all excited. It's going to be called the Throwback Trivia Takedown. So make sure you subscribe when that comes out. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.